You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 39 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Office Apps and Services MVP, Erica Telly. This is Christian Buckley doing another MVP Buzz Chat, and I'm here with Erica. Erica, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Erica Telly, a Office Apps and Services MVP from Seattle. From Seattle, all the way from Seattle, um, and uh, and you're underselling yourself. Talk about like where, who you work for, all right. what you do in the community, blah blah blah. Yeah, so I work for Record Point, which is an ISV focused on compliance. Um, I'm their product evangelist. Uh, I also really love to participate in the SharePoint and Office 365 Saturdays, both as an organizer and a speaker, um, as well as any other fun projects that come along. Now it was, so Erica and I have known each other for many years. We were both you know, very involved with the user group there and uh, the Puget Sound user group. What is it called now? It's been rebranded. It's moved locations. Is I'm not it just, sure. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Office but, uh, 365 user group, I think. But we also, um, so we were part of the, the team that put on uh, the SharePoint Saturday events for what, seven or eight years together, as well as, and I almost, I actually took it out in the closet to wear it today was the original Office 365 Saturday Redmond event, which was, what year was that, 2012? I think so, it was the first ever Office 365 event. And we had, I was thinking about that too, we had 385, it's just the, the round number that I remember, attendees, and then I think we had another 40, 50 uh, between uh, speakers, sponsors, and things that were there, but, um, or more than that. Um, but I mean, it was a great event there at, at, uh, at Microsoft campus. But so, you know, Erica and I and uh, Chris Beckett were the three primary people working with the user group, of course, um, to put together that event. But uh, so you've just been awarded your MVP. How long ago? How long has it been? Uh, I think officially one month. Woo. Boy. Yeah. So you're, you're part of the, the old guard now. So. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so you're going to get to see you there in the halls at the uh, MVP Summit as well. So that's Officially this time instead of yeah. well, I mean, my usual E-dash role that I play at the summits. <laughs> right. So, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and so uh, at events, if you're going out and you're talking about uh, SharePoint and other related technologies, kind of where's your passion? What, what are you presenting on? What are you excited about now, the latest and greatest with uh, – Office 365, Microsoft 365 at all? Yeah, so I kind of think of it in three categories. Um, so first and most dear to my heart, of course, is records management and compliance. Um, it's something that typically might be seen as boring, but it's undergoing quite an interesting renaissance at the moment um, with the availability of Azure technologies and others. Um, you just can go about it a bit of a different way. And it's also a topic that's really, really important for government and highly regulated organizations. Uh, you know, without thinking about the compliance aspect and the security aspect, the cloud isn't even an option for them. So I love uh, educating about that and uh, providing the information so that people can get to the, use the great technologies that are available in Office 365. It's funny that you mentioned that too, and I just happened to be wearing my uh, Azure t-shirt today. Yeah. but. Um, because it was clean, it was on top. So, you know, uh, so it was easy. 
But um, this actually, this topic has come up uh, quite a lot. In fact, I was I did an interview um, a couple days ago with a not in the Microsoft ecosystem, but with a a tech startup that's here locally in Utah. And uh, they were, they, the guys came from a consulting background and, and, and on the IT side and the FinTech side of that. And they talked about how what really surprised them was uh, how wide, broadly adopted uh, in the FinTech space uh, hybrid solutions are because of where they struggle with you know, moving to pure cloud, although it's all accelerating. And uh, so he was using all the kind of the, the wording, the phrasing that we've talked about you know, extensively in that we've done research on um, to show, I think even Microsoft was surprised by how uh, uh, slow organizations moved to, uh, you know, two, three years ago to a pure cloud environment um, that they went the, the hybrid route. Now, hybrid is now the number one implementation model yep. of this technology. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to change. I People are always going to have file shares. They're going to have... SharePoint on-prem, SharePoint online, Office 365, maybe even non-Microsoft technologies like Box or Dropbox or uh, Confluence or any of the other hundreds of tools they might need as a point solution for a certain problem. And I think that's, that's what I mean when I say compliance and records management is undergoing revolution. You cannot count on there being one system where all the content is kept anymore. So you have to come up with some more creative and um, complex maybe solutions to cover all those different content sources. But, but see, the, it never was all in one place. I know, right? Well, the, I think the illusion has been shattered completely. Yeah, right. Well, I, I, so that's one of those, those problems that, look, even if you were on entirely the Microsoft stack, uh, that you had the difficulty of, of data being in one place or another, different, um, uh, older new versions of SharePoint because I think that the I don't know what the stat is but uh, number the versions of SharePoint running uh, on average is like 2.5 versions yeah so you know the most organizations have more than one version well a lot of those tools if you've got SharePoint on-prem whatever flavor it is and online as part of Office 365 or standalone SKU um, your dashboards, the reporting, the data that you can access to are, are different between those two environments. Now add in those wrinkles of having box, Dropbox, other systems, other legacy applications and platforms, which yeah. were always there when those yeah. people were, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah, so I think the choice becomes, do I build a system of record and compliance in each one of those places and maintain all those different systems that's not actually practical i mean everyone's trying to do more with less including having small teams of compliance officers uh, so it makes more sense to build one independent repository and then use things like azure and other technologies that are now available to the masses without custom development to connect to the different systems and read them yeah, right. I mean, look, you have a number of, you know, architectural options that are available. I think one thing that is happening is that, uh, you know, that the ability to maintain those, you know, uh, the, the data where it is in those legacy systems, applications, whatever it is, as long as it's, it's accessible out to the web, if there's some, you know, way of doing there's that. There's an API? 
Yeah. Right. If there's an API for that, then, uh, hey, you can access that. So you don't, I mean, that's, that's why um, I, I, I say that hybrid is the new Palmolive moment. Like you're already soaking in it. If you don't think you're doing hybrid, you are. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have data that's sitting on servers that are sitting under somebody's desk um, that you rely on for your business, but then you also have all these cloud assets. And even organizations that say, nope, we are 100% on-prem. And then you just dig a little bit, peel back one or two layers and you find out, no, no, you're, you're relying on tools and systems that are 100% web-based um, throughout there, uh, whether or not they are uh, approved or not by, you know, corporate IT, that's a different topic, but. Completely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so I, I, look, I don't know what, what the, uh, it was, so what, when you talk to people about that, uh, you talk about, you know, uh, making that move and, and, and how to go and build that. I mean, I know what, what's the path for an organization that is split between a dozen different systems and tools um, and wanting to get that under control. Like, how do you handle that conversation with the client? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, you always start with their goals. Uh, and it's important to remember that it's, you could design the most perfect system, but if no one uses it, then it doesn't matter. So then you take a kind of more user first mentality. Okay. Where are the users doing their daily work? Obviously that's what works best for them in most cases. So are you really gonna enforce some structure and governance on them? Or are you just kind of kind of let them do their thing and have a system that works with that? So those are kind of your two options. I prefer the latter, like end users generally don't care about records management. They're not records managers. You could right. train them to be it, it never works. So I would, you know, Azure, the Azure tools to do this have only been around since mid 2016. So this is still pretty new, but it's, you, you now have the capability to more just kind of watch and listen in and look at event receivers about what they're doing and have the actual records management system be a separate thing. That's more monitoring that rather than something that's tied in with their daily work. And that's the approach I would recommend taking since it's now possible to do. Well, it, 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 right, and it's, uh, I, I think you're, uh, and the first point is especially of, of uh, uh, going and making change. If you're, look, you're, you're, it's gonna be a process of understanding what the user, how they're using the technology today, how they collaborate, how they're capturing this and going through their, their work activities uh, and, and trying to shape the new system to, kind of follow those patterns because if it's not a huge change, then they're more likely to adopt. If it's, you say, hey, we've got this new, this new technology, but you're pretty much doing things the way that you've been doing them, you know, in the, in the past. But then that also then allows you to go in and introduce, you know, improvements and start and slowly optimize those things. So I think you have to be thoughtful about that, what, what that looks like and not just go and say, we've turned off the old system. Here's the new one. It's completely different. Um, relearn to do your job, uh, and yeah. that method is just not effective. Never was, and now there's data that shows that it's not effective. So. I mean, one of my other areas of passion from kind of a previous SharePoint life is end-user adoption, and I think what people don't realize is that 
the emotional energy that it takes to make a change is a currency. Like you only have so much of it and you can't make more. And so what organizations need to do is think very wisely about how they strategically are using that resource for their people and where they're applying it. And you can't just be throwing changes on people willy nilly without thinking through, well, how much change have they experienced across all of these initiatives in the last three months? And do they really have any capacity left? It, to add on to that as well, that's, that's why it's also important to look at um, where it's being adopted uh, and, and where you start finding uh, you know, influencers within your organization, people that are grabbing the bull by the horns and like, hey, we're this, I'm excited about this and, and, uh, and then making sure you're supporting them. I mean, those are, you know, both of us have background with project management, that side of things. And you always know, you go and you find those people that will become your closest advocates within the end user world and the people that get excited about it, that catch the vision. Okay, I, I understand this is better. And they can become a mouthpiece for the rest of, you know, for this implementation and can help get through difficult decisions as well, where if, if you have to make trade-offs, if, if, you know, to, to do this so that we are compliant, we have to make this add additional steps, make it harder to do your job in the new technology, but we're compliant. And they can then help kind of carry across the rest of the, the organization. But it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 anyway, uh, you know, the, to, to identify those people and support them is a key part of that uh, adoption strategy as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, people will always ask me like, yes, I understand, you know, this would be the perfect way to run a change project, but I have very few resources or budgets. So like, what can I do to get the biggest bang for my buck? And I always say it's two things. Uh, number one, picking the right thing to do. So is it an actually a good solution? You know, is, is it taking into consideration the fatigue we talked about earlier? And then number two is the change champion program, um, which I would include uh, leaders in there as well, but right. sometimes you manage that separately. But yeah, just actually getting people on board, educating them, evangelizing to them, giving them the right support and information. You know, and sometimes it's as easy as, public recognition of that they've done a great job that they've really helped out and you know call that out when you're doing updates you know uh, of the status of the implementation of you know whatever that is if it's in a newsletter if it's sitting there in a in a meeting with a group even if it's like a manager with with her five to seven direct reports and just acknowledging you know really want to thank you know susan for you know her participation in this and the feedback on this it was instrumental in helping us fix this, this process and move forward more quickly. Um, but I, but I think everything we're talking about too, um, kind of speaks to, um, you know, I think the maturity of where, uh, um, we are as SharePoint people, SharePoint practitioners and coming from that, that world, uh, is that it is an iterative process. You can't boil the ocean, do it all at, at once, but you have to, uh, you know, you know, pilot, 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 try things out, learn from that, you know, incorporate that in and organically then go and, and grow that. If you move faster than your organization is able to, you know, to handle, then you're going to lose people. And it's that I think was reflected, even Microsoft, it took, you know, a couple years uh, extra for them to figure this out. 
but where, and I've talked about this, you and I have talked about this as well, but um, you know, like any, you know, OEM, any software company, um, as big as Microsoft, especially the, the data around it, it used to be that people selling SharePoint, selling Office 365 was their number one measurement was on, uh, uh, you know, the number of licenses sold, you know, how many enterprise agreements that are sold. But what shifted is that what happened is that um, Office 365 was out there live for a couple of years. Those enterprise agreements started expiring and organizations said, we have like, 10, 15%, 20% of people, like everybody's using email, um, you know, exchange online makes sense, but I don't see that we're utilizing anything else. We don't see that people are just not using it. And there was a shift within, there was like a six to eight month shift where Microsoft said, end user adoption is important. <laughs> uh, and they made changes to the way that they measured the success of their software. And they've got that much stronger focus now, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another great thing that came from the Yammer acquisition was those customer success managers and that mentality that you need people dedicated to adoption. Um, and I think what you just spoke about is more like an art than a science. And for a product software company, I think that's a little harder transition to make to that mentality. Um, I mean, there's a reason why we can't just have a install procedure for a new piece of software to get people to adopt it. Um, it's going to depend on the culture, the people, the history, um, all these things that make it more of an art uh, as to how to get people to actually use it. And I think it'll be really, really interesting to see what happens in a couple years because, frankly, right now we're still picking up the low-hanging fruit in regard to what people can adopt. I mean, Microsoft Teams, obvious win, that drives active usage across Skype, across SharePoint, uh, OneDrive, and all these other things, uh, Exchange. Uh, well, what's what's going to happen when it gets a little bit harder and it's a little bit more saturated? I'll, I'll be very interested to watch. Well, you know, and there's a, you know, we've both been, uh, you know, around, been in tech, you know, long enough to see a couple cycles um, and to see that it's, where there's this kind of consolidation, let's put everything on one system, one platform, to where now it's, then it goes back out in the cycle, I guess the, the cycle uh, of best of breed, let's do all these other different things. And then uh, what'll happen again, I think there'll be yet another kind of uh, backlash, but you know, it'll, it, the cycle comes back around where they say, okay, now we've let everybody go use the best of breed solutions wherever they are. Now we have a governance nightmare, we have compliance, we have security issues, we have like all of these other things. And, and so it, it'll come back around and I, I agree that it'll be interesting to see, I mean, SharePoint is an infrastructure, you know, component within uh, Office 365, Microsoft 365. Um, it's really, uh, it, you know, a, a backbone to every workload within the Microsoft stack. Um, doing the air quotes here but uh everybody you know what i'm talking about sure. um and uh you know is it, well anyway yeah it's it's uh, to see it go back and come back around with teams to your point um being like it's a it's a cool interface for that sharepoint is a component of that exchange those two workloads are what you know are behind um teams and with all the other integrations to see where it goes from there. I mean, 
it's always hard to predict on technology that doesn't exist yet what might change and be different. But certainly with all of the, the AI we're, we're having to, for a lot of these cool features, you, you have to be uh, at least hybrid, if not fully in the cloud, to be able to um, utilize and take advantage of those capabilities. I think that we're going to see more and more things that we're just not even thinking about looking at now that are all going to be about um, making it even easier to integrate with those other tools and systems, no matter where they are. Um, and we'll almost have kind of a plug and play type experience. And the, the automation, the AI and, and uh, cognitive services will fill in a lot of the gaps. So I'm excited to see a lot of that. We see some cool videos and there's the promise of those things, but um, you know, reality for the enterprise is not quite there yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't envy that challenge. Like how do you build AI and machine learning models that apply to every organization in the world? Wow, that'll be interesting. <laughs> I think there's a, I, I, in fact, there was a, you, you've seen all these, um, these predictions about how uh, all these jobs that will be lost by, uh, you know, uh, with, with AI and kind of the new breed of the, these tech companies that are taking away the, the older jobs. And, uh, you know, I've always long thought, it's like, yeah, the, the, the jobs today, a lot of them will go away because of this automation that's coming. But I envision, you know, far more, uh, jobs being created if from that space that are being taken away. I think that we will continue to be on a path where we have, you know, a shortage of, of people that there will be tech unemployment will remain incredibly tight and, and it'll be a, you know, a, an employee's market for a long time. Yeah. I mean, the challenge then becomes, uh, you know, the people that don't have jobs anymore due to AI uh, are the new jobs that are opening up things they can do with minimal retraining or not. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 right. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a different world, but uh, there's, uh, as I you know, tell my, my, my four now adult children, all four of them gone from the house, uh, which is just weird. But uh, you know, no matter what field that they go into, that they need to be proficient within, you know, the the tech space, be aware of what's going on and how it relates to their field. It's yeah. funny, like I, my daughter, who's about to uh, graduate in May from uh, her master's in public health administration at the University of Minnesota, and uh, I was chatting with her this is like a year ago, um, but I said, "Are you aware of what's going on with uh, blockchain?" Um, the infrastructure, the technology aspect, not the cryptocurrency side, um, yeah. but blockchain technology in healthcare. And she's like, what's blockchain? I'm like, never heard it. It's never brought up. Yeah. The next day, her professor's like, the topic was raised and they talked about it for weeks and went in some examples and about how that's changing. So, um, so I, you know, the, the, the conversation and me making her go follow and look at a couple links um, actually had her so she was able she's like thank you dad i was able to say something intelligent <laughs> in that class so awesome uh but yeah it's it's uh again it's it's changing the 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 new technologies that are coming in if you whether it's you know uh, augmented reality i think has a stronger short-term more near-term uh uh you know uh potential um for the enterprise certainly than virtual reality but ar vr um, AI and uh, machine learning, um, the cognitive services, 
the translation services. I mean, we, we are so close to having the Star Trek universal translator. You yeah. Know, go. We're close. That'll be cool. Yeah. So, uh, so Erica, I mean, so how can people, if they want to, um, you know, reach out to you or follow you and what's, what are the best ways to uh, reach you blog, website, social channels? Yeah. Um, well, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. My handle is just my name, uh, which I'm sure Christian will put in the show notes. Uh, I blog mostly at the record point blog. I'll send a link to Christian as well. Um, other than that, um, I'm pretty easy to find online. I'm always love having, um, conversations around what people are trying to do with the technology. Like even this morning, I had an old friend call me up that just wanted to talk about calendars and SharePoint. Just reach out to me. I always have time to talk about it. Yeah, very cool. So I, I always say that most of the people that we hang out with, that we associate with other speakers, certainly that are kind of on the, the speaker circuit and SharePoint Saturday world, all of us like, don't be shy. We do this because we are, we are networking people. We're people, people like we, we love having conversations about this. So bring your questions. If I don't, yeah, questions are always fine. Yeah. The expectation of free work is not fine. <laughs> right. Well, that's the other half of that is that if it, like, if you don't respond right away, it's probably because you're busy. And yeah. if you come in, you know, I do the same thing. People come and they ask, they ask for everything. And I then have to say, Hey, well, here's my rates. Here's yeah. what I do. Um, or I point them to the right person for that. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So. <laughs> well, Erica, it was great talking to you as always. And uh, where, where do I see you next? Is uh, Are you doing any other events coming up soon? SharePoint Saturday, San Diego, which not you're not some... coming to. Nope. Um, Branson, uh, nope. North American Collaboration Summit. Nope. Another great one if you're near Missouri. Yeah, that is a great um, event, by the way. So I guess it'll be MVP, MVP Summit. Summit. Unless, unless I'm driving, I, I was thinking about doing a road trip out to Seattle for a couple of days, but there's just too much going on. And now that Microsoft is a title sponsor of the Silicon Slopes Tech Summit happening at the end of January, it's like there's a ton going on leading up to that event. So, uh, Which I wish I could be at, but I already had a family vacation planned that week, exact weekend. You're going to miss out on that fun little event with 20,000 of, uh, of, of techies and uh, business people here in, uh, in, in uh, Salt Lake City. So, but uh, anyway, well, it's great talking to you, Erica, and, and catching up. And congrats again on your MVP. Thank you so much, Christian, for having me. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Wow.